everybody said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Uh, so we've started this series, you know, facetting some of the great songs of old and maybe some of the newer ones as well. And, and working out uh, some of those life principles, connecting them to key scriptures. And so uh, these are songs of the soul. What do you, um, who sings in the shower? I sound so good in the shower. <laughs> Must be the acoustics, I think. <laughs> who sings in the car? Praise the Lord. You sometimes see those people driving down the freeway and off they're going in their own little space and stuff. Um, who sings when you're happy? Who sings when you're sad? It's, a, um, it's one of those great gifts. Uh, I, I've come to the thing that there's probably only a couple of things that you can do on earth that we know are also important in heaven that you can take with you to heaven somewhat because there's not too many things but one of the things is music uh you can take your songs to heaven with you you know these great songs of our heart we can get to sing them forever in eternity and so the the great hymn that we sang this morning was uh blessed assurance and its theme song this is my story this is my song Praising my Savior all the day. People are looking at me strange. Long. This is my story. This is my song. What's your story? Come on. What's your story? What's your song? For Fanny Crosby, she was able to pen these words. She wrote 9,000 hymns. How many? 9,000. That's, that's a bit, isn't it? But at the age of six weeks, a doctor prescribed a mustard poultice for her eyes that he mistakenly left her blind for life. She saw for six weeks. She can never remember having the gift of sight. And, you know, she could have grown up bitter, unforgiving, small-minded, limited by her natural circumstances, asking God, why? Why me? Why did this happen? This is not fair. But she used those limitations to actually make a better world with an incredible output of the most wondrous songs. Isn't that amazing? Full of power and with um, the truth that has helped to be a resource for many revival. What she said about her blindness was this. I've thought about it. The first face that will ever gladden my sight will be when I get to heaven and behold the face of the one who died for me. Is that such a bad thing? That the first face you'll ever see is the face of your wonderful Savior? That sounds to me like really good news. Verily, I believe that God intended me that I should live my days, listen to this, in physical darkness in order that I might be prepared to sing his praise and lead people out of spiritual darkness into eternal light. With sight, I would have been too distracted to have written those thousands of hymns. Wow. So when Fanny Crosby wrote the hymn that we've just sung this morning, Blessed Assurance, 
It really is a summary of her life, her testimony, her story as expressed in the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1, 21. Now listen to this. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do we, do we really believe that this morning? For me, for Mike, I'll put my name on it, for Mike to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do we really believe that? And yet in that is so much the, the deep truth of what it means to be a Christian. So this is my story. This is my song. Next slide. Thank you so much. Uh, so I want you today to consider locating your story in history, to locate what's happened to you, where you are, your journey. I want you to locate that in his story because you'll either in this world go out with your story. I did it my oh dear way. You know, it's one of the most popular songs played at funerals. I did it my way. It brings me to tears. brings me to grief. What a tragic thing. You've stayed so selfish for so long. All you can do is, I did it my way and I don't care. Or you can do it his way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to heaven except through me. Now, if you were to spend a lot of money on therapy, one of the therapies that you might be exposed today is called narrative therapy. Turn to your neighbor and say, what's your story? What's your story? And narrative therapy has a very simple idea, which is the person is not the same thing as the problem. Now that's, that's a big idea. The problem is the problem. The person is the person. If you can separate out the person from the problem, then you can identify the things that it's in that person of wisdom and of knowledge and of skill and of goodwill, all sorts of things can be discovered within the person that can be never discovered when it, the person is the problem. Now, my wife and I, we have had a few disagreements over the years. She thinks she's right, and I think I'm right. And uh, there have been some times when I've not acted very Christianly, very husbandly. One of my pet peeves used to be when you lean over to the toilet roll, some of you heard this story before, but you lean over to the toilet roll and there is a little cardboard container going click, 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 click. And you're left marooned on the throne. So I'm King Mike. I'm sitting on my own throne and I don't have toilet paper. I could be kind and generous or I could be a, I could be Mike and I would sit at my throne and I would say nasty things. 
Where's the toilet paper, you stupid woman? (laughs) Don't you know what toilet paper looks like? Do I have to take you down to Coles to show you where the toilet paper is? What's wrong with you? Can't we just get to... You would never... There's not a man in this house would act like that. I know. It's just me. And of course, can I ask you to use some narrative therapy here and ask the question, what's the problem? No. Toilet paper. What am I doing? I'm making the person the problem. That's just plain stupid. If you can separate out the person from the problem, then you can be engaged with problem solving instead of people attacking, people loathing. Narrative therapy. And what the therapist will do is we'll sit down and listen to your story. You know, and some people can say, you know, very sad, this this happens to people, very sad. You know, I was a victim of abuse, you know, when I was so-and-so years of age, someone came and they did something really bad to me. And now they're 40, 50 years on, and they're still a victim of abuse. They're still suffering with the pain of what happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. And I understand, for some people, that can be a very long journey out. But you can talk to someone else and say, I was a victim of abuse, and you know what? I came to a position where Jesus Christ helped me to forgive them and now I'm set free from that and I live with no regrets and I have a life of where I'm a victor and not a victim. What's your story is so important. And the narrative therapy sits down and listens to what you have to say. Narrative therapy has to do with learning to tell a different story of yourself. If you're broken, how do you tell the story about your healing? If you're angry, how do you tell the story about your peace? If you're... Different stories are possible even about the same events. How we talk about what happens to us depends on our starting point and our direction. And how we explain what happens to us depends on the questions we ask. So this is my story. This is my song. I want to locate my story in his story, which I was, Jesus did, I am. I was, Jesus did, I am. This is the Christian story. I was, Jesus did, I am. And you win and lose life by your story. Revelations 12, 11, next slide says, and they overcame the devil with the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Do you see that the word testimony has a word in it? Test and moaning. <laughs> Some people, all they do is go through testing and they moan, 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 moan. It can be the same experience but absolutely with a different slant on it. Let me illustrate this uh, by the story of King David. Now, King David in the Old Testament made a big boo-boo. I mean, he did really big boo-boo. When the time had come for kings to go to war, he was up on a high place, looked down, and there was Bathsheba having a bath. Half her name's Bath. (laughs) And he liked her. 
And so you know the story. He ended up committing adultery with this uh, lady. She got pregnant to that affair. That became a big problem. And so he then organized for the husband. You're right. Even come home. He's hoping that, you know, they, they would have, you know, intimacy. So then that would cover up potentially the identity of the baby. That he, he, he was more honorable than David. He didn't sleep with his wife. And so then David then sends him to war and he tells his commanders, you got to put him up the front because I really need him to die. So pretty bad. Bad? Bad? Okay. So there are three different ways you can tell this story. One of them is to tell the story the way the devil would tell it. Can you just lean a little bit into the devil's space here? Oh, some of you are really good at that. (laughs) Can you lean into that? David, you're a sinner. You're an adulterer. You're a murderer. You're a failure. You're a liar. Can you hear the devil getting down on David? It's all true, isn't it? Half the stuff the devil tells me is true. It's true, but not helpful. And the whole approach here is blame. So the devil on the outside is blaming. Next slide. Thank you. The, now I want you to think of David's version of the story. You can read Psalm 51, mate, if you like this great, great Psalm of repentance. There he says he's broken and he's shattered, that he's stained by his sin, that he's unclean, that he feels abandoned, that he's lost his joy. Have you heard David's version of the story as well? This is when we're beginning to actually bring it in on us. The focus is on us and our failure. And there the default setting shame. So if it's outside accusation, it comes from the devil and it's blame. If it's internal condemnation and guilt, it is shame. You get it? It's either blame or shame. There are two different stories you can tell. You can tell the blame story or you can do the shame story. Let me give you a third third option today. The claim story. Because there's another story. And it's fascinating. You read 1 Kings, second, uh, 1 Kings, uh, 1st and 2nd Samuel. There the whole gory mess of David's mess up is there. Nothing's hidden. This is considered to be the historical record. 1 Chronicles and 2nd Chronicles is considered to be the heavenly uh, summary of the dealings with God with the children of Israel. So when you read 1 and 2 Chronicles and you look at the story of David, here's something really fascinating. His failure with Bathsheba is not there. It's absent. They've told the whole story of King David and they've left out a pretty big part of his life. And you know what? When we get to heaven, if you're under the blood, every failure you've made, every mistake you've made, It's been washed away. As far as the east is from the west, so God has removed our transgressions. It's not there. When we go to God sometimes, say, well, I did this and this is, I have no idea what you are talking about, Mike. There's another way, there's another version of the story, and it's his story, which is if I locate my issues, my failures, my concerns, if I locate my blame and my shame in Jesus... I can lift my head high because he makes me 
more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. He actually removes my sins, removes, he reclothes me. See, you can be close to the cross, but far from the blood. You can be close to the cross and far from that wonderful washing away of that sin. I want to ask you a question. Are you happy? Are you content? Are you satisfied? And if the response to that is something outside of you, then there's some blaming going on. No, the reason I'm not happy is because, you know, I don't have enough money. The reason I'm not happy is because I don't have a partner. Or the reason I'm not happy is because I do have a partner. You know, (laughs) get both. I'm sorry. (laughs) Why aren't you happy? I don't like the word happy. Can I use contented? Why aren't you contented? Is it blame? You know, something out there is messing up my life. Is it shame? Something in here. That self-loathing, that condemnation, that guilt. Well, I'm going to suggest to you today, change your story, make it his story. What does Jesus say about where you are? And awaken to that gift that Fanny Crosby said, this is my story, this is my song, praising the Saviour all day long. If you have the gift of eternal life, you have the very best thing you can get. I'm sorry, it's just beyond comparison. Big chicken, small chicken, big universe, large universe. The biggest thing, the greatest thing that you can have is quality, eternal life with Jesus. Because the alternative is not pleasant. I don't know what moves you to compassion, what moves you to fear. But the thought of someone screaming, God, how can I be so stupid? God, I was so close to you and now I'm locked off from light. I'm locked off from liberty. I'm locked off from love. I'm locked off from love. I'm now in perpetual self-loathing that it's like I've got, I'm grinding my teeth. You know, I'm weeping eternally. That's hell. Don't go there. Is there one good reason why you should go to hell? I can't think of one because Jesus Christ has paid the price, has paid the price for you to come home, for you to be with him forever and ever and ever. That's his story. But you've got to locate your story in his story. Blame, shame, claim. Martin Buber, a famous Jewish philosopher, he was the one who invented the eyes-hour analysis of uh, psychology says he tells the story of how his grandfather had been lame for many years and once they asked asked about his teacher and he started to tell the story how his teacher used to hop and dance around as he prayed and as grandfather spoke about his teacher he was so swept away by this story that he himself stood up and began to hop around and dance to show how the master had done it from this how he was cured of his lameness. There's parent stories. There's parent stories. Change your story and make it his story. One of my favourite songs, I don't know if it's a favourite song, but Psalm 61 is a song of petition. 
And uh, hear my cry, O Lord, attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. Or when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a strong tower unto me, a shelter from the enemy. My heart is overwhelmed, call me to the rock that is higher than I. That is higher than I. There's something powerful about songs. One is it helps you memorize the text, the scripture. That's, that's, that's powerful. Teaches you how to memorize the scriptures. Secondly, I don't know if your heart's ever been overwhelmed. But there have been times when my heart has been overwhelmed. And I'm dangerous when I get to that space. I, I am not in a good space. I know what it is to be depressed. I know what it is to be so down that the only way was up. I know what it is to have the four walls moving in on you. I know what it is not to talk to anybody for weeks. I know what it is to even rolling over in bed was hard work. I know what it is not to shave for weeks, not to actually take personal care. I know what it is to have your, uh, your heart overwhelmed. I know what it's like to have... Uh, physical pain to my body. When I was a younger man, uh, when I was living in the country, if you saw an old cattle ramp, it was possible that you could have two, there were two stories on a sheep truck. And so the cattle ramps were uh, adjusted by a weight pulley system. So you've got to imagine a huge hundred weight piece of iron and a cable going over a, um, a round thingy, a pulley. And what would happen is that using those counterweights, you could raise raise the uh, drawbridge up sort of so the ship can go up to the higher thing. So as kids, what we would do is someone would ride the weight, hold the cable like this, and a bunch of kids run up the uh, drawbridge, I'll call it a drawbridge, and that would overweight. And so you go up like, so like six feet. This is not iPad, I know, but, but this was our fun. <laughs> and then they'd run off the drawbridge and we'd go, zzz, and so I had this thing going. So I thought I'd try this, you see, for the very first time. And I wasn't the brightest kid around in those days. So I hung onto that cable, so we went up the whole six feet. And when the cable went around the pulley system, my hands went into there. Uh, it, it hurt. I yodel. Um, I say, kids, get off, get off, get off. And I used a few other words as well, but... Uh, down came. When, the, when the pulley came off, I could see the bones all the way through my hands. I mean, it hurt. It was bleeding really bad. I want to tell you, that was nothing like some of the stuff that's happened here in my life. Nothing at all. I, I know what it's to be so overwhelmed where it was like I was crying up my very guts and I had nothing left. And it was still coming. Psalm 61. You know what I do when I get into that space? Hear my cry, O Lord, attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter unto me and a strong town from the enemy. Oh, when my heart is overwhelmed, 
Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, so much higher than I. This is my story. This is my song. Now, that's my sad song. That's my valley song. But I've got a happy song too. Some of you may think what it is. That's actually very close, but not the same. And here I am going to show my age. It's why I've dressed up like mutton today. No, like lamb. One of those things. Meh. Meh. So this guy lived before most of you were born. He was born about 1972, died just a couple of years ago. His name's Merrill Wilmack. He was a gospel singer. And uh, he uh, was uh, in a small plane crash and he received third degree burns to his face and hands. And you, you can see his face looks like a really bad marshmallow that's fallen to the fire. And he's been left with permanent disfiguration you know he does stop traffic when he's walking down the aisle one of the fascinating things is that he still had his voice he he was a singer and his voice actually improved after the fire and i've been saved sort of like a year and uh, this man's come to western australia and i've gone to visit him and uh, this was a big deal for me I mean, I suppose that's like going to you too for young people. No? Uh, give me a popular... He was, he, was, he was there. So I went there. That was the first time I realised, don't get in the way of Christians and a bargain. Because he said, look, I brought all this product with me. I'm going to sell it, but I'm going to get on the plane. So it's half price off. And I just thought we'd walk casually over to the kiosk, you know. And then I saw this charge of Christians. <laughs> and they didn't stop, man. They ran over the top of you, elbows and all that. <laughs> and he shared his testimony. And uh, he uh, has a great tenor's voice. And he's saying, and for the very first time, I heard someone say something I'm trying to say to you tomorrow. doesn't matter what happens to you. You can choose to be happy in Jesus. And it beamed from him. So I have a really old video. It's really old. So can you still like just, <coughs> there's no doof doof, but it'll be okay, it'll be okay. Listen to the joy in this song. Thank you. I've been happy before.
if that is played at my funeral, I'll be happy. Because though there's trouble today, I hear him say, I'll be happy again. There will be those times when we're sad, when we're mad, when we're bad. (laughs) But happiness is a choice. But you got get rid of the blame, get rid of the shame, and claim your story in his story. Can I have the band up, please? We're just going to pray. Um, thank you. It's great to have Jaden on drums, drums. Hank and our big brother here. Look at him. Wonderful. All our wonderful team, young and old. And you know, little Joy's carrying a baby boy there. You know that baby boy will be dancing to the music in a minute? They're already attuned to those stories. What's your song? I, I, I really worry about sometimes young people because they've got... They, <coughs> in the old days, I could choose what was on the radio. And so I inflicted on my children, country and western... <laughs> Uh, Jesus music, hymns, they got uh, eclectic is the best word, smorgasbord of stuff, including the could have been champions. Fantastic ABC comedy group. Uh, But now they've got their own little music things, haven't they? And sometimes you should be listening to what they're putting into their ears, you know, because we are our songs. We do get to choose our songs. So I think Glorious Day would be a good song. Yes? Good song? Good song? It's all good, David? (laughs) I knew I'd do it to him eventually. (laughs) Uh, Praise the Lord. How about you just uh, bow your heads, close your eyes, still your hearts a little bit. Are you happy? Are you content? Are you satisfied? Because if you're listening to the, if you're playing the blame game, then happiness will avoid you. Contentment, satisfaction, they will all avoid you. What about the shame game? You're playing that, you're blaming you, you're terrible, you're horrible can never be different then again genuine contentment will avoid you who are you in Jesus is Jesus the author of your life can he write another chapter and make it a happy ending you're looking at someone who left home at 14 years of age was on a very bad journey to very bad places and I'm not exaggerating I would be dead or in jail today if it would not been for the fact that Jesus Christ entered into my life when I was 16 and a half years of age and he's rewriting the story I think it's going to be a good one so Father we do thank you you love us enough to tell us the truth you love us enough Lord to save us And Lord, you love us enough, Lord, not to leave us the way that we are, but to transform us. Lord, we want to take responsibility for our songs. Lord.
when we say this is 